necessarily spring, but a couple of announcements to share with you this morning as we begin our service. Um, first of all, just a reminder that prayer meeting is tonight at 5.30, youth group from 5 to 6.30. Uh, we have moved communion from April 2nd to Easter, which will be April 16th. So just uh, as a heads up with that. Next Sunday, uh, Caleb Federhoff will be here and presenting his ministry um, where he serves over in Africa. He's one of our, our newest missionaries here at Word of Life Chapel. And he's going to take some time next week to come in and to explain what he does. Um, share a devotional with us, and I think he's also going to do something on the piano, um, which he is very gifted in, in doing that. So I hope you're able to come out next week to hear uh, what Caleb has to do. That's going to be during the morning service. Um, Easter lilies. If you care to purchase a lily for Easter uh, to be placed in the church in memory or in honor of a loved one, please fill out the form that is on the foyer table. You can give it to Debbie Markle and make the check payable to Word of Life Chapel. Let's open our service with a word of prayer this morning. Gracious God, we are so thankful to be in your presence today. Father, we know that no matter where we go, you are always with us, but there's something special about gathering together on Sunday morning with brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Father, there's something special about being together. As Pastor Bob talked last week about our fellowship about the friendships and relationships that we have here. And Lord, I ask this morning, Father, that you would speak truth into our hearts, into our minds, into the deepest parts of our souls. Father, may we hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen.
let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Let's take a moment, um, have everyone stand up, step out, shake a hand, welcome those around you to our service this morning. Is it coming through?
coming through, I don't think. I hear that this is on. It is on? Uh, maybe it's the battery in your drawer. I just changed it. Oh, I just checked it was good. It wasn't connected. If you remain standing with us, we sing Hosanna, praise Christ. Broken hearts declare his praise for 
power who can stop the Lord Almighty. Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. the gates, make way before the King of Kings. Our God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's sing this morning. We'd like to split it up again, men and women. This isn't going to happen every week, but um, verse 1, the men will sing it, and verse 2, the women will sing, and you'll see why when the words come up. 
men of faith rise up and sing is the first verse, and rise up women of the truth is the second verse. mention this morning, uh, those who um, need our prayers. Uh, we all need one another's prayers, and we're going to be looking at that in just a few moments when we come to uh, Romans chapter 15, where Paul himself says, please pray for me. Uh, so we need to pray for one another. 
let me mention a couple of folks that uh, I just want to highlight this morning. Uh, some of you probably have heard, uh, but yesterday, uh, Sue Fox uh, went home to be with the Lord. She had a massive heart attack, and um, she died while in a vehicle. Uh, she had just left her son Josh's house, and there on Powell's Valley Road, um, she was found slumped over the steering wheel. Uh, so pray for the Fox family. Uh, you do know Lance and Larry Fox. Um, well, Lance is Sue's husband. And so please pray for this family. I don't have any more details than that as far as uh, arrangements for the funeral, et cetera, are concerned. But um, we do need to pray for the Fox family. Uh, keep Pam Bordner in prayer as well. Um, Steve's here alone. She has some, is having some knee issues, and um, so pray for her. Uh, keep Gary Schultz in prayer. Uh, he's having uh, gallbladder surgery coming up uh, shortly. And uh, Pat Snyder now is home. Uh, we're thankful for that. Uh, she came home yesterday, and so she was very anxious, I know, to get home, and, and now she's home. So keep her in prayer as, as she... Um, continues to recover from bypass surgery a few weeks ago. Father, as we come before your presence, we are thankful once again that we have the privilege to be able to call upon your name. Father, we have just sung praises, and Father, we have just come through a time of, of worship. And Father, we know that through song, uh, it is a time in which uh, we sing our praises and we express our worship to you. Father, it's always a special time to be able to come together, to come to church, to come here into this place, into this sanctuary. For Father, this is a place where we come together to acknowledge that you are the great and awesome God. We thank you for the salvation which is ours through Christ. We thank you, Father, for the gospel. It's only the gospel that saves. It's the good news that brings life uh, to dead hearts and dead souls. And so we thank you, Lord, that by grace and through faith, uh, you have brought us into your family. Father, I pray that as your children, that we might walk worthy of who we are, that we might walk worthy of our calling, worthy of being followers of Jesus. Father, we thank you for many prayers over the weeks that you have answered. Lord, you've done some great things among our people. And Father, for that we thank you. We don't thank you enough when you answer our prayers. Father, there are others, however, that are going through some difficult times. We do think of the Fox family now, especially Lance, uh, Sue's husband, Father, we pray that your grace and your peace might overwhelm him. We pray for Pam this morning and pray that, Father, the knee stabilizer would uh, do what it needs to do uh, so that there would be no further procedures or surgery that would be needed. Think of Gary's surgery coming up and pray that all goes extremely well. Think of Pat Snyder. We're thankful, Lord, that she finally, after many weeks, is able to be home. Help her in her recovery. So, Father, we know of others, but, Father, these we highlight this morning, and we commit them to you. 
Father, again, we thank you that you are a sovereign and wonderful God. Father, help us to remember that in the storms of life. To remember, Lord, that you sit on the throne of grace. And that, Father, you are a sovereign, omnipotent God who is able to do all things, for nothing is impossible with you. Father, we thank you that you have allowed us again to come into this place. This is your day. This is that day which we have set aside to come together, to worship, to fellowship, to grow, to pray. And we pray, Lord, as you look down upon this service and you look down upon us and you look into our hearts, that, Father, you might be pleased. Help us to grow as a result of our time here. Remove the distractions, Father, we know there are many. We know it's easy, Father, for the evil one to bombard our minds and draw us away from the things that are before us. But Father, for this next hour, I pray that you might help us to be able to focus. Focus on what we sing, focus on words that are said. Help us to see you in all of your glory. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Leonard's going to come. He's going to lead us in another hymn, uh, hymn number 505, Out in the Highways and Byways of Life. <clears throat> Out in the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. Carry the sunshine where life is at rhyme, making the sorrowing glad. step up the temple a little bit. We're dragging it a little bit too much. <clears throat> Tell of the story of Christ and his love. Tell of his power to forgive. Others were trust him if only you prove. to live. Make me a blessing.
as was giving to you in your need. Love as a master loves you. Be to the helpless of a minor deed. Unto mere nation be true. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. There is joy in serving Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we sing, and then the junior church folks can be dismissed. 497. <laughs>
We come this morning to the end of the series in the book of Romans. Uh, Paul, of course, was the writer, and Paul, at the time of his writing, uh, he had never been to the church in Rome. Uh, he hopes someday to get there, but he hasn't been there yet. And so when we come to chapter 15, he speaks about a plan. He speaks about going to Spain. And on his way to Spain, uh, his plan is to stop in to see the saints in the church in Rome. Paul was a man on the move. Paul's a man who couldn't sit still. Uh, Paul was a man who always had one more city to go to visit. There was always one more thing to do one more place to go. He was a missionary, and because he was a missionary, he was a man on the move, going from place to place, preaching here, preaching there, and we find that emphasized in Romans chapter 15. As I said, we're going to conclude this morning in the book of Romans, and we come to the end of this series looking at Paul's own ministry. When we come to chapter 15, he speaks of his own ministry, his service to both unbelievers and also to believers. So turn with me to Romans chapter 15, and I want to read a bit of a lengthy text, but we need it to understand what Paul is saying. Romans chapter 15, beginning at verse 14. And he starts by speaking about himself, who is a minister to the Gentiles. He is a minister and wants to share the gospel with those who have never heard. So he begins in verse 14, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. And yet, I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Iconium, I have proclaimed 
the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to pre preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see him, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. Now, here he speaks about his service, his ministry to unbelievers. Now we come to verse 23, where he speaks of his service and ministry to believers. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favor favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. I don't know if you noticed, but we read in this text a few times the word to serve. Uh, Paul was a servant. Paul was a minister. And the three times where serve is used, I, I want to take those three places and look at the context that surrounds the word serve and use those as the three points in this outline. The first place where it's used is found in verse 17. In verse 17, it says, Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. Now, there is joy in serving Jesus, as we sang. And Paul, he speaks about his service to unbelievers. And in these opening verses of this text, his service and minister, ministry to unbelievers is preaching the gospel. So before this word serve, in verse 17... He speaks about the gospel after the word serve in verse 17. He also speaks of the gospel. Paul was all about proclaiming the gospel to unbelievers, to the Gentile world. This was his gift. This was his calling. Paul was many other things. 
He was a great theologian. He was a wonderful apostle. Uh, he was a great writer. As John Piper states, this is the greatest letter that's ever been written. But Paul, first and foremost, was an evangelist. That gift that God gave to him to go to those who have never heard. It's interesting also, I uh, read there in verse 15, uh, when he speaks to the church in Rome, he says, I, I've written you quite boldly on some points. You know, we would say today, Paul, you wrote and you stepped on their toes. Now, in the last couple of weeks, uh, there were a number of you uh, were leaving the church after the service, and you said to me, this morning, you stepped on my toes. Well, it was only because Paul wrote boldly to the people. Paul wrote and stepped on the toes of the church in Rome. And I simply was trying to share with you the things that Paul said, and in actuality, stepped on your toes as well, which is a good thing, right? It's a good thing from time to time for us to step on toes, because we leave feeling convicted of things. We all do. And Paul says to the church in Rome, I, I spoke to you boldly. There were some things I just had to say. I don't apologize for that, but I had to say these things to prepare you for when I come to you. But then he says in verse 16, he says, it's my duty to proclaim the gospel so that these Gentiles might become an offering, acceptable and sanctified. Paul's first and foremost ministry was evangelism. Going to the Gentiles who have never heard and sharing with them the gospel, which means good news. Now, I would invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's in this chapter in which Paul explains the gospel. Uh, we say, what is the gospel, Paul? You keep talking about proclaiming the gospel to those who have never heard. What is this good news that you are compelled to share with the Gentiles? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and verse 1, we read this. And by the way, remember last week we talked about disputable matters? The gospel is an indisputable matter. The gospel is not something we're going to debate. The gospel is not something we're going to argue about. The gospel is clear cut. The Bible regarding the gospel is black and white. There are some things that are disputable, but this is not disputable. The gospel is an indisputable matter. You don't discuss whether or not the gospel is true or false. The Bible says this is the gospel. Notice what Paul says, chapter 15, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you have received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. 
For what I have received, I pass to you as of first importance. Now listen, here's the gospel in a nutshell. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. The gospel in a nutshell is that Jesus died on a cross to save us from our sins, that he was buried to prove his death, and that on the third day he rose again to prove all the things he said about himself were true. And those who believe in this gospel, this good news, the Bible says are saved. To trust Christ, to believe in him, that he died for your sins, which is an acknowledgement that you have sinned against the holy God. And then to believe that Jesus rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now Paul says, this is the good news that I've got to get to the Gentile world. I must share and proclaim this good news. And Paul says, we're not going to dispute this. This is not a disputable matter. As a matter of fact, in, in the book of Galatians, in the very first chapter of the book of Galatians, Paul speaks about those who preach a different gospel. Let those who are preaching an entirely different gospel, even if there's an angel from heaven who comes down and starts preaching a different gospel, Paul says, let them be anathema. It's a Greek word which means, let them be eternally condemned. And I believe Paul means that. Because those who are preaching a different gospel are leading people astray into false hope and leading them into eternal destruction. So Paul is saying those who preach a different gospel than this gospel, let them be condemned, let them be cursed. Paul says, we're not disputing this. This is an indisputable matter. We're not going to argue what the gospel is. When Jesus says, I am the way to the Father, it's period. The end. So that, verse 16, there's a reason. So that these Gentiles might become an offering that is acceptable to God and sanctified. You know, the whole theme of Romans when you think through Romans, remember we said he begins with doctrine, then he moves to practicality. Here's what we believe, here's how we should live, which is stated right here. The whole beginning of Romans is how are we acceptable to God? The righteousness of God. How can I come into a right relationship with the almighty creator? And then once we've done that, how then should we live? So the beginning of Romans is becoming acceptable to God. The last part of Romans, the last half, is how are we sanctified? How are we set apart? How do we become holy as God is holy? So right here in a nutshell, we have the whole book of Romans, that the Gentiles might become acceptable and also sanctified. Now, Paul's gift was evangelism. We don't all have that gift. 
We don't all have the gift of evangelism. But that does not excuse us from being men and women who share the gospel. As a matter of fact, the Bible speaks about all Christians being ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We read, for example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we are ambassadors for Christ. We're all ambassadors. We represent Jesus in this world. And we read in 1 Thessalonians 2, we have been entrusted with the gospel. God didn't entrust angels to come into the world and share the gospel with every creature. God has entrusted to the church, to the body of Christ, the gospel. It is our duty, we read here, Paul says, it is my duty to proclaim the gospel of God. And Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. You know, the problem oftentimes with Christians is we, we look at Christianity as a personal thing. Something I want to keep to myself and I, I'm not going to share it with anyone. I've got my ticket to heaven. I've got my eternal fire insurance. And frankly, I don't care who goes to heaven. Sadly, that's often true. We know we're going to heaven, and that's enough for me. Paul says it's not enough. Paul says we have all been entrusted with the gospel. We are all to take that good news and share it with those around us. His service, his ministry to the unbelieving world is proclaiming the gospel. The second word the word service is used is found in verse 25. Romans 15, 25, it says this. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service, there's our word again, of the Lord's people there. I am going to Jerusalem. Now, it appears, because remember Paul also said, I'm going to Spain, right? He said, I'm going to Spain, and I'm going to stop in at the church on my way to Spain. Now, there seems to be a higher priority taking place. He says, I've got to go to Jerusalem. Um, and what he needs to do there, well, let's look at verse uh, 26. For Macedonia and Achaia, they were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. Here's what's taking place. There's a church in Jerusalem, and for some reason or another, uh, they found themselves in a poverty situation, uh, whether it's due to persecution, maybe due to a drought, and the saints there in Jerusalem are undergoing this season of poverty. Now, the Gentile believers in these different regions of Macedonia and Achaia, they decided that they're going to collect an offering and give this offering to the church in Jerusalem. And Paul is going to become the delivery boy. Paul's going to take the gift from these uh, Christians in Macedonia and Achaia and deliver it to the church in Jerusalem, to the poor, to those in poverty. Now, it says here that the Gentiles did this because they felt indebted to the Jews or the church in Jerusalem. 
because apparently the church in Jerusalem sent people to evangelize the regions of Macedonia and Achaia. And so these folks in Macedonia and Achaia received spiritual blessings from the Jewish people in Jerusalem. And Paul says that these who have received a spiritual blessing from the Christians in Jerusalem need to give a material blessing back to them. And that's why we have the, the, the word uh, they felt indebted to or they felt they owed them. Now let me list the principle here. Here's the principle. If you receive a spiritual blessing, you are to give back a material blessing. Now, how does that relate to the church? How does that relate to giving? If you come to church and you are blessed spiritually, then you owe it to the church to give materially. You know, I really believe that there's no place on earth like the local church. And I'm not just saying that because I stand here before you as a pastor, but I don't think there's any place on earth like the local church. Here in this church, we are spiritually blessed. It's in church that we come and have an opportunity to be able to worship God. It's in church that we can come and we can sing praises to the name of all the Almighty God. It's in this church that we come to fellowship. It's in church that we have a place where we can be discipled and grow and feel, feel cared for. It's in the local church in which we have a place to exercise our spiritual gifts. There's no place on earth like the local church to receive spiritual blessings. Where else can you go to participate in united worship, to come together as we did just moments ago and sing praises to God? Where else can you go to experience fellowship and intimate relationships? Where else can you go to share your hurts and your pains and to feel loved and cared for? The song that we closed with last week, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds, has a stanza that goes like this. We share our mutual woes, our mutual burdens bear, and often for each other flows a sympathizing tear. Where else can you go to hear the teaching and preaching of the Word of God? which every believer needs in order to develop and grow in their faith and spiritual maturity. The Bible speaks about the church being a flock, a flock that needs to be fed. Where else can you go and take the gift that God has given to you and use it for the benefit of other believers? You know, the gifts that we read about in the Bible, they're all designed to be used within the local church. Where else can you go to, to, to exercise those gifts, 
to sing, to teach, to be hospitable, to give? Where can you go to participate in communion? Oh, yes, you could do communion at home, but there's something special. When we come together as a church and we come to celebrate our relationship with Christ, but also our relationship with the body, I don't think there's a place on earth where you can receive the spiritual blessings that you receive in the local church. But Paul says if you receive those, if you are blessed in a spiritual way in church, then you owe that church your material blessings. That's why we have a white box. And we don't talk a lot about giving in this church. I recognize that. But the principle is, if you are blessed spiritually, you owe it to the church to give materially. And we're talking about money and finances now this morning. And you know, I know I'm uh, talking to those who give sacrificially. I, I know I keep looking at the men as they count the money after each Sunday and they write it down. Was it last week? Was it last week? The offering was $8,800. That's like almost twice the budget. So I appreciate, you know, you folks who understand this principle. You really do. That you come to receive spiritual blessings, but you're willing to give of your tithes and offerings as well. The third place we read this word serve is found down in verse 31. And you probably didn't see it when I read it, but... Uh, it's there in some translations. Uh, the word actually in verse 31 for contribution is actually the word serve in the Greek elsewhere in this text. Uh, and what Paul is saying here in the context of verse 31, he's talking about intercessory prayer. Inter intercessory prayer. There are different kinds of praying intercessory prayer is when someone prays for someone else that's intercessory prayer and Paul is saying here pray for me Paul is asking the church in Rome to pray for him because see Paul knows and if we were to go to the book of Acts when Paul was on a missionary journey he was warned by the Holy Spirit that if he goes to Jerusalem, which is where he's going, right? That's where he's going to take this contribution. If he goes to Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit warned him, his life will be threatened. He will experience hardship, possibly imprisonment. Paul knows that even before he goes to Jerusalem. So when he comes before the church in writing, he says, pray for me. Pray for me when I go to Jerusalem. Why? Because I know what's facing me out there. And so the first request he has is pray for my safety. Pray that I might be delivered from these unbelievers in Judea. He also prays for the contribution to be acceptable. And then he prays also that he might be refreshed when he finally does visit the church in Rome. He needed prayer. He needed for the church in Rome to pray for him. Now, I don't know if you noticed a word, the word in verse 30, 
He says, join me in my struggle. Join me in my struggle. The word struggle is the word that is used of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When the Bible says that Jesus was in great anguish, anguish is the word struggle here. Jesus was in great anguish as he was praying. And it says that it was as if great drops of blood were dropping from his forehead. We have a picture of this idea found in the book of Genesis where Jacob himself, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that Jacob, he, the Bible says, wrestled in prayer all night to receive the blessings of God. Do you find prayer to be a struggle? You see, Paul says real prayer can be a struggle. It can be a time of great anguish. It can be wrestling, because we're wrestling against not flesh and blood, but every time you go to prayer, Satan's ready to shoot arrows. We're wrestling against the powers of darkness when we come to the throne of grace in prayer. But we're also wrestling with God. We're wrestling for his blessing. And Paul recognizes that, that, that prayer is not an easy thing. Prayer is a struggle. He says, join me in my struggle by praying to God on my behalf. There's another man. Let me just read. Just listen. That Paul refers to. His name is Epaphras. And Epaphras in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12. This is what's said of him. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, he sends his greeting. He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God mature and fully assured we read words like struggle and anguish and wrestling in prayer Paul says I need you to do that on my behalf you see Paul recognizes that Without God's work, nothing is going to happen. You see, that's why we have prayer meeting on Sunday nights. That's because it's tonight at 5.30. And we will have a group of people who really believe that prayer works. And that nothing can happen in the church or in the lives of people apart from God's work. It's God who works. And so we call upon him to work. We go to the throne of grace and ask God to heal and to touch and to bless this ministry and watch over these folks over here. We really believe in prayer. We really do. And so we get together tonight at 5.30. Now we even change the time. From 6.30 to 5.30, we set our clocks where we can come and go, and it's not even dark, which is a good thing, 
which if darkness was an excuse for you, not anymore. Weather's getting nicer. So I encourage you, think about prayer meeting on Sunday night at 5.30. So we come to the end of Romans, and we look at Paul, and we see a man on the move. It wasn't just a man who went from location to location, from city to city, from place to place, but his moving was serving. His moving was ministry. His moving was preaching. His moving was teaching. He spoke about giving and praying. We need to be moving. You know, sometimes we just sit still. There's really nothing taking place. We're not serving, we're not ministering, we're not doing this, we're not doing that. Paul was a man on the move. He was a man who found joy in serving Jesus. When it comes to the work of God, we too, we need to be moving, sharing, teaching, giving, praying, ministering. I want to close this morning, and I want to invite you to join me at the very, very end of chapter 16. Uh, Paul has a benediction, and I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to read this together. We're going to start in chapter 16 and start at verse 25, and as I said before, uh, when we read together, it's probably good to be looking at the screen uh, so that we're all on the same page. Uh, so you read the words behind me. I'm going to be reading, looking at the scriptures, and we're going to start at verse 25, now to him who is able. Let's read this together. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation, mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known. Uh-oh but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith, to the only wise God to be glory forever, through Jesus Christ, amen. Father, we thank you this morning for this great, great letter in which Paul has written. And Father, we're thankful for the great doctrine and practicality that has been given to us. My prayer, Lord, is that we might all be people who are on the move, doing things for Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Hymn number 506, O Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. Let's sing this together. Oh, Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. Be thou forever near me, my man and my friend shall not fear the battle thou art by my side wander from the pathway if thou wilt be my 
sights that dazzle, these sounds I hear, my foes are ever near me, around me and within, Jesus, draw thou nearer, Shield. <coughs> Jesus, thou hast promised all that follow thee, that where thou art in glory, there shall thy servant be. Jesus, I have promised, serve thee to the end. Give me grace to follow, and my friend. Father, now dismiss us with your blessing. And Father, as we go out into this world, I pray that, Father, we might, as Paul, be willing to share this good news that alone brings life and salvation. We thank you again for being with us. Father, for your spirit who moves among us in that mysterious way through your word to help us to grow and help us to become more like Jesus. Father, we thank you again for this good time that has been ours. In Jesus' name, amen.